This big dog will fight when you rattle his cage And you'll be sorry that you mess with the U.S. of A Cause we'll put a boot in your ass It's the American way Help us out Put your name at the top of his list And the Statue of Liberty started shaking her fist And the eagle will fly And it's gonna be hell When you hear Mother Freedom start ringing her bell And it'll feel like the whole wide world is raining And welcome to this week's edition of the North Spring Sessions Podcast with DK. I'm your host, Dustin Kennedy. It's a early, early Sunday morning. It's been a busy week. Uh, we've got basketball almost every night. And so the first time I've got to record, I've, I've tried to get out here a couple late nights. And I just didn't want to half-ass it by being wore out. So it's early, early. I've been up. It's, it's, it's a 7 o'clock. I've been up since about 4 for no good reason. And so I'll give myself a couple hours to... Wake up! There will no, there will not be a cheap plug for Anheuser Busch, or uh, I'm sorry, my friends at TriStar Beverage, because <clears throat> I don't know if I've ever drank a beer at seven o'clock in the morning, unless I didn't stop from the night before. <laughs> and uh, so we didn't get to talk about a lot of the big things that's happened. Of course, we started the show right there with um, Toby Keith losing his battle with with cancer this past. Um, week and a half or so, actually not long after we recorded the last podcast, Toby Keith passed away. <clears throat> I wasn't a huge Toby Keith fan, to be honest with you. Um, I, I was really indifferent. I never disliked Toby Keith. I liked a lot of his songs, uh, but just never was. Like, never saw him in concert and um, everything like that. But, you know, it's you could tell it was really a, a lot of people were touched by him, especially his patriotic side. There, there would there would be some times I felt like after 9-11 that um, I, I I remember, I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite, uh, I remember going, oh, there's another American song from Toby Keith. Didn't see that one coming, you know. Um, but he stood in what he believed in, and, you know, he, he came from a, a a patriotic family, so I'm not mad at it. It just seemed like it was, you know, I don't remember it ever being a thing until 9-11 happened, then Toby Keith came out with Courtesy, Red, White, and Blue, and American Soldier, and, you know, um, there, was, there was others. But, uh, so, so I, I'm going to be honest, I, you know, at that time, I was like, all right, dude, we get it, we all love America, Toby. <laughs> you know, it's it was kind of like the equivalent of bro country singing about back roads and beer, like, can it be done too much? But again, I mean, it was something he believed in, very passionate about, and he was always at you know, America rallies and, and things like that. So I, I do believe it was something near and dear to his heart, obviously, as he played for people overseas quite a bit and soldiers and stuff like that. He came to Nashville in 1993. Uh, and of course, his debut single, which is still to this day most people's favorite Toby Keith song, should have been a cowboy, went to number one. So not a, not a bad start when you come to Nashville, a city that breaks a lot of people down, crushes dreams. Uh, very first single goes to number one. Um, that debut album went on to have, uh, according to his Wikipedia here, three more top five hits on the country charts with He Ain't Worth Missing. It went to number five. 
a little less talk and a lot more action. And I wish I didn't know now. Um, you know, it, it, throughout the '90s, he would uh, he would be relevant. He was he was relevant for a long time, '96 through '98. Um, you know, he he hit some hits. Sorry, my wife just FaceTimed me from uh, inside the house. We we babysat our nieces and nephews last night, so um, so I, I'm guessing she was needing me to cook breakfast. Is what I figure. So that's what she needed me for. So uh, should have started recording at six thirty. Uh, all in all, Toby Keith's career released uh, 19 studio albums, which you know honestly. You you just if you if you just follow a career kind of casually like I did Toby Keith that you don't really like 19 al albums shocked me when I was doing research for this it just absolutely shocks me because you think about the hits and everything like that but you don't really think about I mean 19 studio albums studio albums two Christmas albums five compilation albums totaling worldwide sales of over 40 million albums sold he charted 61 singles on the Billboard Hot Country charts including 20 number one hits. And 22 addition, additional top 10 hits. His longest lasting number one hits are Beer for My Horses, which was a 2003 duet with Willie Nelson and As Good As I Once Was, which was just a, a smash hit uh, in 2005. And then, um, yeah, so he died um, of stomach cancer. Of course, one of the big things of his career um, after the 9-11 thing was just when he became so patriotic, um, was the courtesy of the red, white, and blue, obviously. But then the feud with the Dixie Chicks, they got, um, this is from his Wikipedia, public feud with them over the courtesy of the red, white, and blue, and co comments he made about President George W. Bush on stage during a concert in London in March '03. The lead singer of the Dixie Chicks, Natalie Maines, publicly stated that Key's song was ignorant and made the country's, country music sound ignorant. Boy, I wonder how Natalie Maines feels about country music in the last 20 years if the courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue made country music sound ignorant. Uh, Keith responded by displaying a backdrop at his concert showing a doctored photo of Maines with Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein. On May 21, 2003, Maines wore a T-shirt with the letters F-U-T-K on the front of the Academy of Country Music Awards, while a spokesperson of the Chicks said that the acronym stood for Friends United in Truth and Kindness, Many, including co-host Vince Gill, took it to be a shot at F.U. Toby Keith. Um, in October of 2004, on an appearance with Real Time with Bill Maher, Maines finally confessed that it wasn't indeed a shot at Keith and that she thought that nobody would get it. Okay. Nobody would get that. Um, yeah, so they never really squashed that beef, but <clears throat> how'd that work out for the Dixie Chicks? Or, I'm sorry, the chicks. Um, so he he was aligned with the Democratic Party for many years. Then he then he left there after he said that they um, stopped being basically what he was about. As he was a growing up, you know, we all know that the Democratic Party has changed dramatically and, uh, <clears throat> over the years. So uh, so yeah, just a, just a heck of a career for Toby Keith. Um, from Oklahoma, I think he's very well respected in that red dirt uh, in the Oklahoma scene, and just uh, what he stood for. He, he, you know, he didn't he didn't pull any punches on what he believed in, what he stood for, and uh, so yeah, um, big loss for the country music community. We'll play a little snippet right here of his number one, and possibly other than courtesy to Red, White, and Blue, biggest song he ever had should have been a cowboy. 
Settling down, would you marry me? If I ask you twice and beg you pretty please The seed have said yes in a New York minute They never tied a knot His heart wasn't in it He just stole a kiss as he rode away He never hung his hat up At Kitty's place I should have been a cowboy I should have learned to roll you know you've sung that song that's to me that's 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 just the it's hard to hard to beat when your career starts with such a smash hit and that's everybody loved should have been a cowboy and you know as toby keith got uh as he went through his cancer treatment there's one thing that um you know he didn't make a lot of appearances and one of his last appearances um when he showed up, and, and you got to love this right here. Um, one of his last quotes on stage of his final performance. Uh, well, I just won't, uh, I'll just let him share the. Uh what a What a quote to go out right before you pass away because. I mean, just me kind of making light of, out of it, how, how patriotic he was, and it didn't come from a, anywhere of, of a mean spirit for me, but you know a lot of people did get on Toby Keith for being patriotic. So, uh, hey, man, if, if that's your final quote before you pass away, something you believe for, good good for Toby Keith to go out with that final moment on stage to a, a, a great, uh, great fan base he had. Um yeah, so what else is going on this week? We had an interview drop that I was very proud of this past week. It's on WCTE. Uh, you can go to their Facebook page. Uh, if you don't have, that's Channel 22 for all us old heads. That was the PBS out of Cookville. Um, but WCTE, they do they do great job. Uh, they do a great job with so many local shows and, and keeping everybody informed of the Upper Cumberland. So I had an opportunity back in November to be on a show with, uh, with a man named Michael Akins. And it's your business. Um, that was that show was uh, presented to me by Kelly Hunter, Jordan Hunter's wife. Um, that, those those guys always been really good to me in support of everything North Springs Music Fest and everything else. And I think Hope um, um, Hope of Argus had had something to do with that as well. I'm, I'm not sure. I know Kelly set it up. Kelly messaged me back in probably September of last year, prior to the festival. We were supposed to get out there uh, with Michael before like the week or two prior to North Springs, but had some uh, scheduling conflicts. So we had to wait till after the festival was over. But, it, you know, it, it, in my opinion, it worked out for the best because uh, we had some B-roll footage we could throw out there with some photos. And then he um, there was some clips. I think that come from all the people at Tech that Hope invited out here. So I had, I had a lot of good footage, and then they come up. So that was that was done. We were, we were going to shoot that in the field in November, and it was just, like, ridiculously cold and windy. That day, so we came up here to the man cave and hung out. And you know, I, I remember after it being done, I looked at Kelly and I said, "God, that sucked." I was dry, I didn't have any personality, and just was nervous because I really didn't know for sure what he was going to ask. We we kind of went over some bullet points, but you know, when you know you're going to be on television, it gets a you, you get a little more uptight, maybe. But um, I, I can't remember. My goodness, I'm so I'm so bad with names. But his camera guy um, stayed after Michael and Kelly even left. And we hung out, and I am so sorry that I forgot his name. But um, 
he did some really cool clips because he was like, well, where's the festival at? And I told him, I said, well, you passed it and all this. And um, I said, so when you get some videos, um, I said, just there's the field. The White House is kind of this cornerstone of our family that it was my great-grandmother, Emma Bell's house. I said, just get some shots of that. And he goes, well, I'd like, I love, I love to get you in, a, in just a shot of you riding off in the into the woods here with your in your ranger. And I just said, well, I'm not an actor, man, but I'll try. So, uh, you know, if that come off a little corny, it's because, it, you know, I am, I guess. But um, I thought it was really cool. Uh, I didn't, And I didn't even know it was coming out. I know back then they said it, when it would be released, but I just didn't. You know, I know things can change and, and stuff like that, so I didn't go into it just, you know, messaging Kelly every week, asking, hey, when's our interview going to be up? And actually it was Whitney Thompson from Salina messaged me on whatever morning last week and said, hey, I saw you on television last night. You did a great job. And then I said, was you watching a basketball game or what was it? She goes, no, it's something to do with the festival. And I said, oh, Channel 22 or PBS, WCT, whatever. And she said, yeah. She said, damn, you need to be a politician. <laughs> and uh, all in all, I'm pretty hard. You know, like, you know, even listening back to this, I don't like listening to my voice all the time. Like, like most normal people, don't like hearing their voice, which sounds incredibly um, – hypocritical you know since i get on here and talk to myself each week but uh but nobody really likes to sound their voice all in all or whatever but uh i went back and watched it man i was really happy with it i just thought the way they did everything looked made it look so professional and they did good shots of the crowd they did good shots of the musicians who were here um apparently they left before the headliner there was no Can cody canada we did run a little late that night but um and even the shots of the ranger in the field and the house and just Really cool. So thank you to first off, thank you for Kelly for for hooking that up. But but uh, really cool. Michael Aikens come out here and do that. Um, I will be signing autographs at the Save a Lot this Wednesday from four uh, p.m. to about four o three p.m. That's probably three more minutes than I need. I'll be I'll be uh, signing some glossy eight by tens that Jeremy Mackey um, just sent off to Walgreens. Uh, headshots um, with double chin included. So. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome for that. Uh, people's been telling me that Davo's loving the impressions. I hope so. I love Davo. David Paul Scantlin, one of my uh, biggest supporters. Um, first off, Lloyd told me that his mother-in-law loved the impression I did of him at a basketball game one night when I was broadcasting. I didn't realize that. So if you love that, I said, let her listen to Nothing But a G Thing remix with DJ Davo and myself. And then the fancy like Brenda Keith texted me and said she was – um, but I just love Davo, man. I think he still listens to this. I'm not sure that he does. He just, like everybody, that anybody, like me and him can just talk forever and not say anything. We can, like we were both so hung up on the same thing. He, I love music. He loves music. We love old school NBA. Uh, we, we can sit and talk hours about Michael Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of great supporters of music. But, man, he really, you know, he's like the walking billboard for – he still wears the old school one-lane road podcast T-shirts and the North Spring shirts. And uh, and I don't know. Sometimes you can just do impressions of people. And, you know, again, back in the day, I remember friends of mine would get mad, and I'm like, dude, I'm not making fun of you. I can just talk like you. Chill out. So so when I done that nothing but a G thing, I was like, man, I hope Davo takes it the right way. And then somebody said he dug it, so – Actually, Jeremy Mackey said, I swear to God, it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. I want you to know, Davo, every time I do that, it busts my own damn eardrums. And that's why I don't think I ever sound that good doing it on the podcast because it just busts my fucking eardrums. 
in this headset. Uh, so that's something y'all like. I don't know. I may do once a month Davo singing lyrics. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, anyway, um, I want to say that we are, before I get too carried away, brought to you this week by Brenda Keith, Don Franklin, Chevrolet in Burksville, Kentucky. Good friend of mine for many, many years. There was one person, there was a person not too long ago said, uh, uh, hey, where should I go look for a vehicle? And I said, I would go to Brenda Keith, Don Franklin, Chevrolet. And she goes, ha, 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 yeah, you have to say that because she's, you're, you're legally obligated. And I'm like, I ain't legally, legally obligated to do shit. <laughs> you know, I said, I read your ads. And I said, but uh, I said, y'all, you, you're, you're mistaken. I said, me and Brenda Keith been knowing each other long before acoustic, acoustic songwriter series is, long time before North Springs Music Fest. Long before Brenda Keith ever put a dime in my pocket for any sponsorships, uh, me and Brenda Keith were friends dating back to knowing Chris Rains and Wooly Bullies back in 2011. I mean, I remember really hanging with Brenda starting about 2011. So, so this this podcast shit ain't. I mean, it's you know it's one thing. Yeah, yeah, she's a sponsor of my of my uh, podcast, but like on the real, like she's just my friend. <laughs> You know, so uh, I I would read her ads whether she was a sponsor or not if she asked me to. But ultimately, business is business. So, yeah, I mean, I've not even bought a, a car from Don Franklin Chevrolet, but I hope to one day. You know, if I, if I need that, um, it's just not, not worked out where you have yet. Uh, but, yeah, Brenda's great. Brenda's been great to me. And so I, th I just – you know, my, and that was a friend of mine who said that also. About that said, "Aha, you're, she didn't mean anything by it." But uh, anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say, no, Brenda's been my girl for a long time. So it ain't nothing about no sponsorships. Uh, but yeah, she's uh, she got new and used. So if you uh, if you're in the market for a vehicle, please go see Brenda if you can catch her. Hey, she's she's living her best life going to these concerts. So. You got to catch her. She's got to work sometime or another. That's like a lot of people's like, man, when do you have time to do all your stuff? I was like, I swear I'm working. You don't see me posting about music stuff from seven to four. I assure you, you know, work is work. Like I said on that interview with Michael Akins, you just got to find time. You know, like I said, podcasting on a Sunday at seven a.m. You got to get in when you can. Um, so. Speaking of North Springs Music Fest and all that, so tickets go on sale this Friday, February 23rd, 11 a.m. I won't be posting about it because I'll be at work. Um, but I'll post about it that morning as a reminder before I go into work. And then, um, so just know, 11 a.m., it'll be a, um, you're, you're going to have a Saturday. You're going to, so it, look, the worst cup secret, because I've not even really said it out loud. Like I've said it, but not like a, like a big announcement. It will be at the farm both days this week, this year. Um, so there'll be a Friday only ticket and a Saturday only ticket. Then there'll be a combo to save a few dollars if you want to come both nights. Um, the camping will be the same: camping for single night or camping for combo night. Then, um, yeah, just just really excited. I've added another band this this week that I've not announced yet, or the offer's been sent in. It's been uh, tentatively agreed on, and I see it's funny. My boy Thad. Um, I texted him yesterday. I was like, he, he said, so is Saturday the best day to go? And I was like, no. I said, I mean, it's a, it's, the Friday's more abbreviated. It's only going to be like five and five and a half, six hours of music compared to, you know, eight or nine on Saturday. I said, but, man, I just I just uh, added a band for the Friday night that I'm pretty fired up about. And I told him the name of it. And he goes, 
dude, I sent you them. I'm the one that told you about them. And I was like, are you? Because I was trying to give Landon Asbury, an engineer at my work, credit for it. And I was like, no, somebody else told me about it, Thad. And he goes, dude, look back at our messages. And sure enough, this was yesterday he told me this, February 17th. And he had sent me a message of these guys' video on January the 30th. They're, they're fairly new. And uh, I said, well, I'll be damned, Thad. I said, uh, but I get sent so much. So I want to apologize, people. I'm not trying to sound like some big shot right now because God knows I'm not. But, I mean, like, I'm just so – like, I have barely head above water right now with work and then – we're, we're full scale in basketball season. So people text me. I used to I used to get really pissed off if I text somebody. I was like, how hard is it to text somebody back? Well, apparently when you get really busy, it's hard because I'll, I'm texting people back three or four days in a row, <laughs> some, or, or later, I should say. Uh, it, it's tough, but I'm excited. So, yeah, tickets tickets go on sale this Friday on Eventbrite. I just found out Eventbrite's charging to, create, to post events now. I tried to – I was actually setting the ticket link up yesterday uh, – evening and yeah they charge first first event i've hosted on event right that i found out they charge a fee and it's not cheap <laughs> so um that kind of sucks but you know i have a proven record with i'm used to event bright so i probably won't be going off of that anytime soon but um anyway yeah look forward to it man two days i'm still sending out some offers um to anybody's off that's listening you know a lot of people i mean i, I got 10 people yesterday that sent say hey if you're if you're not done filling, uh, filling spots, I, they are full. It's just I've got offers out, and and if the if those offers don't work out somehow, I've got backups. Uh, backup plans already in set in, in motion. But but you've seen ninety five percent of the lineup, guys. So I hope you're not waiting for some huge drop, uh, shoe to drop again. Mackie told me the other day he was talking to some friends. Like I know he's messing with us. I know Cole's coming, guys. Unfortunately. I'm trying to let you down easy. Cole Chaney is not coming to North Springs 2024. That's that. It hurts me to say just as much as it hurts you guys to have to hear it. But uh, excited for that guy. He's going. He just now kicked off his uh, first leg of his, I guess, world tour or United States tour or whatever, where he's, he's really going to grind uh, this year, no pun intended. But, no, nah, I've got, got all, all the love in the world for Cole and his, and his uh, management. So, a big things coming for him. Unfortunately for us, it's just not North Springs 2024. Um, so get another. As far as the festival world goes, I, I'm really good friends with a guy named Drew Eads. I met him through man, he, when he managed Alex Williams a few years ago. He's the main guy in charge of two really cool festivals in Indiana this year. It's uh, one is Rock the Rind, and the other is Rooster Tail. Um, I'm not the kind of people. I'm not the kind of person who. Uh, is jealous or tries to keep others down. And so I, I'm never going to not share anything. Like I've got on here talk glowingly about John Grace and all his uh, his guys for the Laurel Cove Music Festival. Um, I just think they're the best at what they do. So this, uh, the Rock the Rhine is the first weekend of August. Travis Tritt, Charles Wesley Godwin, Cole Chaney, Ward Davis. Uh, my goodness. You know, and for an affordable rate, Rooster Tail this year, uh, Blackberry Smoke, 49 Winchester, Wyatt Flores, Steel Woods, Mike of the Moon Pies, or I'm sorry, Silverada, uh, Taylor Honeycutt, Rich Henderson. You'll you'll recognize a couple of those guys coming to North Springs this year. Isaac Rudd, uh, yeah, just just a big uh, big lineup for my boy Drew. He's continued to kill it in the festival game. Uh, so yeah, uh, if y'all if y'all are listening, love music, go check that out. 
Um, went to Gatlinburg this week, and the one thing I want to say is uh, me and Lindsay went just for her birthday and just kind of get, get away from the kids for a little while because I don't care. You know, some parents are different. They're like, oh, how can you ever do without your kids? I don't know. We do. No, we do because you got to. Uh, just for your sales, for your marriage, for, you know, it's good just, just to get time to your sales if you can do that. You know, some people can't do that. Some people have to have two or three other couples around. I don't like doing that all the time. I, I'm the, I'm your weird person. This is going to sound really strange coming from me, how, knowing how social I am. I don't like going on vacation with people, with other people. I just like going with my family. And I'm talking my immediate family. I don't even like going with, like, <laughs> like you know, uh, my wife said one time she goes we should get a cabin in the mountains like over Christmas with your dad and Linda and your aunt and your sister and your nieces and granny and I said that sounds horrible sounds horrible <laughs> I don't like it I don't. we went with her family once before we go with my family and I love all of our families but I'm not like, like there's a ton of people and they're probably more normal than I am but they like going like 10 couples deep on vacation with their kids. And I don't know. I just don't. I mean, I cherish I cherish my family vacations being a family vacation because I would find myself, if I went with nine other families, nine other couples with kids, like how much time are you really spending with your family? Because you're going to be wanting to drink beer with your other buddies and listen to music or throw a football or, you know, or whatever. Like, I, I don't know how they do it because I just don't know how much time you really spend with your kids. And for me, vacation, if you take your kids to the beach, that's about spending time with your family. Uh, because I know what it's like. When my friends come over, even here, you neglect your kids because you're hanging out watching football or something. And I'm just, to each his own, if you, know, if you like going 30 deep on vacation, then do you. I just, for some reason, that's not what I like to do. I like to just, I like to go with my family. I mean, they get on my nerves when I'm there, but it's still my family, <laughs> you know, my immediate family. It's just less bullshit, but you got to deal with it because what I don't like doing on vacation is um, I don't like having to appease everybody. I know if it's me and my wife and my kids, we're going to get up, we're going to cook breakfast, we'll go down to the beach, or we'll do whatever, wherever we're at. You know, if you go with other people, like, what time do y'all want to eat supper? I don't know what time you want to eat supper. What do you, what are you feeling? seafood barbecue you know you, you've always got to whether it's a real thing or not you feel like you have to satisfy that other person right and i just uh i don't like it <laughs> i don't like it so we got away just ourselves of course i wake up and i'm sick you know and god forbid a man wake up with a cold because that's the equivalent of a damn childbirth in a man's world is is having a little sick little sickness but uh, we we went and ate uh, down on the strip of Gatlinburg, hung out. So so we went to the Mellow Mushroom to have a couple drinks. And, man, I cannot believe another dude remembered another dude like this. But there was a there's a Jamaican guy that works as a bartender at the Mellow Mushroom. And he goes, ah, oh, there's my man who hates soccer and loves watching the kids play football. I said, man, you shitting me. I said, I met you for two hours on one day last September. And you remember that. He goes, yeah, you hate soccer. I was like, I just don't understand soccer. I don't understand it. I, I hate that I live an hour and a half from Nashville and we have a professional football team and that's it. I hate that we have soccer. I wish that we had the NBA. 
I don't like Major League Baseball, but I wish we had a Major League Baseball team. But we've got soccer and hockey, two sports I don't understand. And, yeah, I've went to hockey games, and I've drank beer, and I've had a good time. Don't like it. Don't understand it. Don't want to play it. You know, uh, couldn't play it because I can't stand up stand up on skates. So, uh, yeah, I don't like soccer. And so I remember me and this guy, me and this bartender going back and forth, and I was like, dude, it's college football opening weekend. Or, like, it was the second weekend, I think. Like, second weekend because – no, nah, I guess I don't know how long it'd been going on. It was early in the season because it was what I it was NFL kickoff because the Titans played at New Orleans the next day. That was uh, so. However long college football is going on, but it was early, early in the season. I was like, how in the hell is it September, September tenth to be exact, and we're not playing college football in your bar? Like you got three TVs, not a damn one. He goes, it's World Cup, it's World Cup. I was, like, I don't care about the World Cup. I don't care about the World Cup. And so that really took a – he remembered that because it's the very first thing as I walked in the door, he said, which just, like I said, blew my mind. And we sit there and cut up with him, and we uh, we had a good time with him. So, And his name uh, his name was Shaquille, which I could not believe. I, I forgot that, right? Um, of all people and all names, you think I would, I would remember uh, somebody named Shaquille. But I won't forget him because he remembered me like that. So we uh, – Anyway, it it was just good. It was a good little getaway. They're never they're never long enough. We had a crazy uh, that kind of leads into two different things we had going on this week. But uh, both senior night and Shaquille O'Neal going into the Orlando Magic, uh, getting his jersey retired. But uh, yeah, we worked all day, came home, went went to senior night, and uh, drove to Gatlinburg and stayed basically for that day that night. Came home. Uh, Midday Sunday, but it, so if you're a man, woman, listen to this, and you feel like you don't ever need to get away from your kids, don't do that. Don't don't do that because kids are little assholes, <laughs> and they they stress you out and they they push your buttons, and you love them, you love them more than anything. Like let somebody mess with my kid. You want to hurt somebody for your kid, but don't ever feel like you you don't need to get away from them to spend time with your significant other because you do. So we'll go into that to Shaquille. From, from bartender from Jamaica, Shaquille, that loves soccer, to Shaquille Rashawn O'Neal, my favorite athlete of all time. Y'all know that. Anybody that's followed me for any amount of time, whether it's, you know, 20 days on social media or 20 years on social media, like that's my guy. Uh, backstory, I had never, ever watched. The most basketball I remember watching, I remember watching Larry Bird and Magic Johnson when I was little and just highlights. My grandpa, he's not my grandpa. It's Shane Keith's grandpa, uh, David Lloyd Keith. But he was—he lived with my grandma for years and years and years. And I loved that man so much. He was such a such a cut up, and we we loved watching ball together. And I remember watching the 1993 NBA Finals, Charles Barkley's Phoenix Suns against Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls in the pool. You know, I still remember this day. Jordan Jordan drives in, or Pippen. Which, which one was it? Maybe I don't remember. They they drop it to Horace Grant. He immediately turns. Kicks it out to John Paxson, knocks a three down from the left wing, Bulls three-peat. I remember going to a flea market with my mom. That's what y'all don't know about me. I'll, I'll mess with a flea market. you damn right. I don't care who you think I am. I will go to a flea market in a heartbeat, son. And uh, me and Mama and my grandma and David Lloyd went to the went to the flea market, and they were ball card collectors. How damn cool is that? That my 
at the time 50 year old grandma and her boyfriend was was buying basketball cards and he said son michael jordan is the man he said this one right here is the next one this this is the this is going to be the man he says his name's shaquille o'neal he just won rookie of the year so no i've not been on shack since lsu i've not been on shack since um the first year you know no, now do i know everything about this dude yes if me and shaquille o'neal got into a uh know your career battle i would beat shaq at his own game i know more about shaquille o'neal's career than he does i assure you or i did at one point you know your mind gets bad as you get older but uh kill some brain cells here and there but i, I do know i mean so that within that day I became a Shaquille O'Neal fan. I bought a I bought a card, bought a rookie card. Uh, I remember I remember the card I bought that day. It was it was the Tops rookie, and I bought a not I bought a Jordan Skybox. Him Duncan the same day. It's crazy. I, I can't remember shit from yesterday, but I remember the two ball cards I bought that day at the flea market. And it wasn't within just a few weeks. I had the black Orlando pinstripe jersey, which is the cleanest jerseys. I mean, you know the NBA now. They have jerseys for every game of the game, you know, like variants and um, and j city jerseys and association jerseys. You know, it's all about making that dollar and you know, make seeing how many jerseys you can pump out. But in the '90s, like the '90s was the like that was the time for NBA. The NBA in the '90s was the greatest. You know, you hear these kids now saying Jordan played against a bunch of plumbers. Okay, all right, all right. Just because they didn't eat, eat all this stuff that these kids are eating now and, you know, being athletic. But they, there was them dogs in the 80s and 90s. You know that. And that's why we say, yeah, LeBron's the most physically gifted athlete I've ever seen. But, you know, if he played against the Detroit Pistons like Jack Jordan had to, he'd be he'd be crying in the fetal position in, in camera row right there because he'd be so scared of Rodman and Lambeer. Um, get off get off topic again. But, but yeah, those, those 90s jerseys like the Chicago – just, just the basic red jerseys. Then, then Chicago came out with this black pinstripe. Where do you think they got that idea? The Orlando Magic. Charlotte Hornets had a really cool uniform. They didn't have the Orlando Magic uniform. Even years later, when the Toronto Raptors and Vancouver Grizzlies became a thing, became a franchise in 1995, I guess, they had some awesome jerseys for the mid-'90s. 20 years later, they came back to really be some kick-ass nostalgic uniforms. When the Grizzlies, when the Memphis Grizzlies come out with them Vancouver jerseys, oh, my God. We've got a signed Ja Morant from when he signed here. We, we bought one of those Vancouver jerseys because they came out that rookie year. And uh, Sorry, I had to get a swig. Brought to you this week by Tropical Punch, Punch Kool-Aid Jammers. Yeah, damn right. All day long. I sound like a drunk when I'm out here because I'm always saying TriStar Beverage. 90% of the time is, if I'm out here in the in the man cave, it's it's Tropical Punch Kool-Aid Jammers. My friend Dalton came by yesterday, and I hadn't had a beer all day. He stopped by. I had drank two, maybe three beers with Dalton, a little bourbon. And what's funny is I'm such a non-drinker these days, especially at home, that the beer that I had was drinking – with Dalton, as soon as he walked out the door, it's it's got it's got the same amount, and I left it sitting on my little bar table here in the in the man cave. It's not a big drinker. I mean, I am in the right setting, but not really anymore. So yeah, there, there, there's actually some bourbon that looks like apple juice. It's soured overnight. I don't know why. 
anyway, getting back off topic, golly, maybe I'm ADHD and didn't know it all these years. But to me, the Orlando Magic have always had the greatest jerseys. And it was announced about a month and a half ago probably that the Orlando Magic were going to retire Shaq's jersey. And most people were like, what the hell? Why they've never done it? Like all these years later, and he's, he's the first. But they're, they're, they're one of three franchises, and I have to look up the other two. I knew it when I first read it. But they're one of three franchises who just never have done retired jerseys. Now they brought Shaq back a few years ago because um, they put him in the circle of honor, ring of honor or whatever, and he thought, you know, this is Shaq telling the story because you never can really know what Shaq, what his story is. He's so, he, he embellishes everything so strongly that um, you never really know what's true. But he, he said, I thought I was going to get my jersey retired that night. It was just the ring of honor. I said, oh. So, you know, like he – that was a few years back. But, you know, you got to understand what happened with Orlando and uh, just, just give a little context here. Let's, let's, let's first off get into when Shaq became a member of the Orlando Magic right here in uh, the spring, summer of 1992. With the first pick in the 1992 NBA draft – the Orlando Magic selects Shaquille O'Neal from Louisiana State University. That, that's the intro off the platinum selling, you damn right, platinum selling album, Shaq Diesel from 1993. Still to this day, the only athlete to ever go platinum. Uh, so don't don't disrespect Shaquille O'Neal's rap skills. Uh, what you know about, hold on a second. Yo, Jeff, why don't you give me a hoop or beat or something, something that I can go to the park to. Shaq, I'm about to brag on you. Because when that man come in the league, okay, a, a man child at LSU, and every team came to the NBA draft lottery in 1992 with a generic 
O'Neal 33 jersey because everybody knew he would change the game for their franchise. Orlando went from being a team that just played a backdrop in a tourist town with Mickey Mouse to being the premier team in the league outside of Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls. And he became, for a certain stretch period, more popular than Michael Jordan. Uh, the next year, you know, after he made a platinum record, he made the uh, cinematic gold that is blue chips. You make fun of Kazam all you want and still as you should, but Blue Chips was a badass movie with legit actors, Nick Nolte and such, and he met Penny Hardaway, and then Penny Hardaway becomes a member of Orlando Magic. They've got Nick and Den Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott running the wings, filling it up. Let me tell you something, that team was well beyond its time. I mean, you look at what you have now. Shaq was a athletic big man. The people, people who are ignorant, who never watched Shaquille O'Neal play, says, oh, he just dribbled the ball three times and dunked on your head. Okay, well, let me tell you something, and I say this with all seriousness. The man could put it between his legs. He could cross you over. He could grab it off the rim, lead the fast break, give you a no-look pass, or dunk it on your head, whatever you want to do. The man had handles. He was quick. He was athletic. He could run like a deer. I mean, he had a stat line in his second season in the league, 24 points, 28 rebounds, 15 blocks. Wimby who? Uh, Zion, who? Tw the man had 24 points, 28 rebounds, and 15 blocks. The only reason he's not the greatest player of all time is because he chose not to because he, goes, he loved Big Macs and not working out. If the man had half the work ethic that Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant would have with his frame, his power, his athleticism, it's, it's, it's the greatest player of all time. Kobe Bryant said in an interview, he says, if Shaq had my work ethic, I'd have had fucking 12 rings. I'd have fucking 12 rings if Shaq had my work ethic because he was the best player I've ever seen. That's Kobe Bryant saying that. Kobe Bryant just don't hand out compliments. Okay? So, um, but you're talking about a team that was ahead of the time because you had a, you had a player like Shaq. Then you had Penny Hardaway. Everybody now, they're all oversized. Like we're playing positionless basketball. But you got a six foot nine point guard like Matt's, Matt, the next coming of Magic Johnson. People people forget how cold Penny Hardaway was, uh, because of the injuries. But now th this is like an up and down basketball that we're playing now, right? Three point shooters everywhere. Nick Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott were those dudes back then. Then they got Horace Grant from Chicago. They got Brian Shaw, who was a great role player for many many years on three championship teams in L.A. with Shaq, by the way. That Orlando Magic team was special. So I immediately, nostalgia starts hitting me like I couldn't be at the, obviously, the Jersey retirements in L.A. and Miami. It's just not feasible, right? But Orlando, like, you can make that. So I started looking up I started looking up uh, uh, tickets, flights to Orlando. At the time, I was supposed to have a work function in Georgia. So I was just going to, and it was going to be over in enough time for me to catch a flight, you know, drive to Atlanta, fly from Atlanta and Orlando. That's how serious I was about this. Ultimately, uh, the district tournament started last week, so I didn't get to go uh, to it. But, man, it was really cool. And then Orlando dropped the ball. Okay. Orlando dropped the ball. The first thing I saw because I was at district tournament, I was watching it on Twitter, or the artist formerly known as Twitter, X, and it says Shaq's teammates really pulled up for the ceremony, and they were wearing – Orlando Magic jerseys that they never wore. 
they were wearing like the Tracy McGrady, Grant Hill era, I think, or, or later Orlando Magic jerseys, to which I'm like, you own the baddest-ass jerseys in NBA history. Like these players are from the late 80s, early to mid-90s era of Orlando Magic. Why are you not wearing the black or the white, whichever one you prefer, white pinstripes, or throw the blue, the blue alternatives they, alternatives they threw out in 94, 95, Maybe my favorite. I don't know which one my favorite is. But these guys are wearing an era of Orlando Magic jerseys that they never freaking wore and are nowhere near as cool as the ones they, you know, actually did wear. Then Shaq comes out, and Shaq is obviously is, is just lights up the room, lights up the whole arena. You know, Dennis Scott did a great job. Penny Hardaway had a great speech. Nick Anderson had a great speech. And then they, they, the time comes. You know, Shaq becoming the only third player, well, it says third player, second player, really. Him and Wilt Chamberlain are, are only the two players that have their jersey retired by three franchises. So the, so the Lakers, they got it right. The Heat got it right. Orlando Magic puts the legendary 32 up in the rafters of the Kia Center formerly known as Amway Arena, formerly known as Orlando Arena. And it's the jersey that Shaquille O'Neal never wore. They have the Dwight Howard font, the style Dwight Howard wore in 2010 as the jersey, and it's been said since then that they want everything to be universal. For the next jersey ceremony that comes up, they want it to be, they want everybody to be the same. Get the hell out of it. Shaq never wore that jersey. Shaq wore the coolest jersey in the history of the league. Nobody gives a damn when you retire Hito Turkoglu's number in five years. Nobody gives a damn when you when you retire Pablo's 20 years from now that they're all going to look the same. He didn't wear the jersey, Orlando. You had one freaking job. There's no wonder Shaq left you in 96 to go to L.A. There's no wonder you've been nothing but a mediocre franchise for decades now. You had one job. You brought the big fella home to put that beautiful pinstripe jersey that you sold millions of in the rafters of your meteoric NBA arena. And you dropped the ball, Orlando Magic. You dropped the damn ball. The fans, you know, because people have to be so outraged online. People, trolls, no, they're not even trolls. They're not even, they're not even smart enough, creative enough, witty enough to be trolls or just miserable human beings. Why? Of course, the people, people under a certain age don't get it, right? They see Shaq on TNT and they just don't know. They're like, what's, I, I am like legit question. The man played there four years and won zero rings. Why are we retiring his jersey? You need to do some research, Terrence. Okay. Read a book, Micaiah. Because Shaq is the baddest-ass player, the greatest player who's ever played on your piss-poor franchise. That franchise died in 1996. It limped along with Penny for a couple more years, and your boy Dwight got you to a finals. Did beat LeBron James got you to a finals. But overall, when Shaq left, that franchise died. There's a reason you've not been on primetime television. There's a reason ABC doesn't play you. There's a reason you're not on Thursday night TNT games because nobody has cared about the Orlando Magic in over a decade. 
but really over two decades. Over three decades. I mean, he's the greatest player to ever play in your franchise, Peter. Get off Instagram. Go read a book. Get on YouTube and type in Shaquille O'Neal Orlando Magic Highlights. But Dwight Howard's got all the records. Well, no shit. He played four more years than Shaq. If Dwight Howard's your savior, he can't even come up with his own nickname. He had to rip off Superman. The OG Superman's the greatest player in your franchise history. Dwight Howard has records because he played eight years compared to Shaq's four. If Shaq would have played four more years, you wouldn't even know who Dwight Howard is. He'd be a footnote in the story of the Orlando Magic. The, 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 the story is, did Shaq ever want to be in Orlando? No, he wanted to be in L.A. in 1992. He had an agent made that perfectly clear. You're lucky he even played for your poverty franchise for four years. You're lucky you got that time where you were the most popular franchise, even more popular than the Chicago Bulls in many of those instances. Okay, I, 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 I don't have time for people. The man broke backboards. He didn't shatter the glass like a thousand other people have done. The man broke structures down. Like Richard Jefferson and J.J. Reddick said on J.J. Reddick's incredible podcast. They said, what do you do with Shaquille O'Neal? He said, there was no effing with Shaquille O'Neal. He said, you had to, you had to employ big men on your team. Not even good big men. Just big seven-footers that could put up six fouls to, to slow Shaq down. You want to talk about now, oh, Shaq couldn't play because he couldn't be in a pick and roll. Who's going to guard Shaq? Who's going to guard Shaq? Because I look at the NBA. Draymond's talking about he could stop. Sh Shut up, Draymond. You're six foot seven. There are posters upon YouTube highlights of Shaq murdering David Roberts and Alonzo Mourning to Kimmy Matumbo. Yeah, Akeem got him. And that's another thing. People on the internet say, oh, Akeem Olajuwon smoked Shaquille O'Neal. Why are we putting Shaquille O'Neal such reverence? Well, Shaq was in his third league at about and third year in the league at about 22 playing against MVP Akeem. And his average for that four-game finals was 28 points, 12.5 boards, 6 assists, and 2.5 blocks. If that's getting smoked, let me take a hit. Ignorant. Ignorant-ass people that I can't fool with on the Internet that are keyboard warriors talking about this guy like they, like they have no idea. The fact is, hell yeah, he went to L.A. and he won three rings. And he became one of the ten greatest players in history Orlando lowballed him. They lowballed him like he was Dikembe Mutombo. Jawan Howard was getting more. Jawan Howard, think about that, who peaked in college, got a better offer to come play from the Miami Heat from the Washington Bullets, Wizards, than Shaq got from Orlando. This unicorn of a basketball player fell in your laps. And Jawan, when it's time for you to pay this man, to set him up to play with Penny Hardaway for another decade. Jawan Howard got offered more money to come play for Miami, which he didn't take because of something in the league rules back then. Then the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic deserves everything they get. And you had the one chance to make it right 30 years later, and you give him damn Dwight Howard's font jersey in the in in the in the in the stands, in the in the rafters. Come on, Orlando. Pitiful. And players said, should have been Penny, should have been Nick, should have been Dwight. 
Guess what, idiots? He's the first. He was your first true superstar. There's time. Well, I don't understand why Dwight didn't get it. When they going to when 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 do you think they're going to do Dwight's? When are they going to do Hito's? He's the first. You want you want to induct? You want to hang fifteen jerseys in one night, dumbasses? There's time. He's the first, as he should be, because he put your poverty franchise on the map. Next year, Penny gets his. Nick Anderson should get his because he was the first big talent. You know, he's not a superstar, but Nick Anderson was a very solid NBA player. For the Orlando Magic, he's a, he's a legend. Then, you know, Dwight can get his. Until then, shut up and realize Shaquille O'Neal is the greatest thing to ever happen to your franchise, and you still shouldn't be butthurt that 28 years later he left your franchise and they brought him home to do what they rightfully should have done and put his number 32 in the rafters. End of story. Beautiful thing to watch. Then, like I said, um, well, malwarn warning. Oh, my God. Popping up on my computer. I've not been watching Brazzers on here. No Naughty America has been ever put on this laptop. Only podcasts. So, All right, real quick, I just want to say uh, also thank you to Helen's Restaurant in Gainesville, Tennessee on Highway 56. I know my work is starting to do a little more work with Helen's, and uh, thank you to their continued sponsorship and support of North Springs uh, Sessions, North Springs Music Festival. And, uh, you know, whether it's uh, just a sit-in meal or a catering function, Carol and uh, Kristen can uh, hook you up on any kind of size meal you need. Just give them a call. Helen's Restaurant, Gainesville, Tennessee, out there on Highway 56. Funny story is we went there for lunch the other day and uh, yeah, made a whole whole planned trip around it. We pulled in there and said, Dustin, uh, do you know they're closed on Mondays? I said, it would appear so, huh? So apparently I need to do my research a little harder, you know, usually when I'm trying to go holler at my friends at Helen's. <laughs> um, okay, real quick, uh, I do want to say, don't talk about a lot of personal stuff when it comes to family. I mean, I do, but I don't, but... Um, just had our senior night for Wayland um, this past, you know, the, not not this Friday, but the Friday before. And, you know, when people tell you, hey, man, it goes by in the blink of an eye, and it goes by so fast, and it really does. And uh, don't ever take anything for granted. And kids grazed up. Luckily for me, I had such an age gap between mine that, you know, you, you kind of grow up together with that first one. You kind of have them younger. We had Wayland when I was 22. And, uh, so you, you, uh, you know, it's just uh, you learn your do's and don'ts. I'm still learning, and <laughs> what you know, still trying not to be a, a dummy. Being a parent, we Wayland's turned out really good. He's, I mean, he's had one B in his entire life. Straight A student, you know, good good kid. Does does nice things for people and good athlete. And I tell you what, I'm gonna miss watching those three pointers. We've got a uh, we've got one more. Uh, we've got the district championship this week against York, who is always tough. They're always tough. They got long, they're long, lean. Uh, athletic so but this is a clip from coach king you know I don't, I don't really record i do the broadcast for jackson county and i don't record anything but i really wanted to get that last last senior night uh introduction so here's uh the one and only coach kevin king on the on the introduction for Wayland being introduced on senior night
that was before the game. Shot a little nervous, had too many people in her family. You know, that's a thing. <laughs> you know, people who hadn't seen you all year, I said, dude, I said, uh, don't get out there and get nervous. He goes, oh, it's just a ball game. I said, yeah, but all your mom's side of the family's coming. My, you know, my side of the family's coming. Brad's coming. You know, I said, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, just just know. I said, if that first couple shots don't don't fall, just don't freak out. And he, he started off slow, and I was like, oh, no, he's going to go. Uh, he's he's going to go over on his damn senior night. I remember my senior night. I was so hyped that you you play that you, that you miss easy shots because you're so fired up. So uh, he he finally got him a mid range jumper about you know halfway through the first there, and he looked at me. Me you know Brad came. Brad was sitting next to me at the broadcast table, and uh, Waylon just looked kind of shrugged his shoulders like oof rough. And most time he doesn't make eye contact with me during the games, but. Uh, Anyway, he got him a drive there in the second half, knocked him some threes, knocked him a three down, and uh, he's coming off of a four three-point performance in, in the first game of the district in a beatdown versus Smith County, and and hopefully, like I said, this is our big rival. This is uh, against York. You know, York earlier in the season got us. They got they they got us big time at, at Jamestown, but earlier in the season at home they got us. Uh, they they got us early. And I remember that game, the fight. Now, Wayland's playing with nine sophomores, including district MVP Will McCreary, who's going to be an absolute stud. There's some really good athletes on that team. Uh, so we, we were down 18 with six minutes to go, and I got it to within four before we ended up losing by like seven, I think. Well, that was the Wayland's career-high game. He had seven threes that night, 25 points. Uh, so hopefully got a little magic left for this team to, to pull off the upset and, and upset York. We'll see how it goes. Um so you got to slow them down. They got some. They got some really good athletes up there in Jamestown. So here was Waylon coming off the court court for the last time that night. So anyway, obviously proud dad here. You know, just a good kid overall. Love watching him play ball. You know, Bayless Bayless may be about that life too one day. But right now he's so bashful about picking up a ball that I don't know. I don't know. It's just a lot of years invested and in seeing it coming. To an end, and I, I made a, I did a real corny thing. My friend Pete Griffin out of Nashville does these does these uh, he called rookie cars or from the company rookies. It's an app you can put on your phone, and uh, I've just got all these pictures saved. Waylon playing, you know, obviously basketball, then you know football the last couple of years, and he had you know like every other kid, t-ball and soccer when you're little. So uh, I, I saved all the pictures and asked Pete. I was like, I man, how do you, how do you do those cards? Like he'll he'll take custom cards to autograph uh, like meet and greets with celebrities and stuff, and. That way you don't have really a lot invested in stuff. And so Pete walked me through the app, and I used it. And be damned, get on there, and I made a set of rookie cards for Waylon. And I was like, it's kind of cool. You just pick the – they give you the platform or, the you know, the template. Uh, and I downloaded, like, the Jackson County logo and the Blue Devils logo and just found a bunch of pictures of Waylon and, and put them on there. And they, they make the cards for you. They wrap them. They, they put them in full like a regular pack. So it's like the excitement of going back to the 90s and ripping open a – Pack of upper deck cards. Uh, so I did that, and I gave them to him. I was like, dude, this is super corny, okay? I said, realize your dad is kind of cool, but also I'm really corny, and I'm really, um, you know, I love nostalgia, but I, I'm also like a uh, sentimental old fool. So <laughs> uh, I give them to him, and whether he lied to me or not, he said they were cool. It doesn't matter if 17-year-old Waylon likes them. I think, you know, 37-year-old Waylon will think it's cool when he has kids, so. Anyway, um, I'm looking at these son of a bitch ladybugs. 
all over the place. Me and Dalton couldn't even sit here and enjoy our beverages yesterday because there was I'd look over, knock three damn ladybugs off his hat. I'd have them crawling in. Let me tell you what happened. They only exist in two places. My whole house up there, my house I live in, four-bedroom house, there's one bedroom in the whole place that has ladybugs. That's my old bedroom. Me and Elliot Brown, we'd be up here in the summer in 1996. We'd go out here in 100-degree weather and play basketball outside. Then we'd come in the semi-air-conditioned home. Uh, hotter than hell upstairs, though. It don't matter how hot or cold it got downstairs. It never really truly made it upstairs because um, it was always just like ridiculously hot or cold there. And we'd be up there sweating our old fat. We me and Elliot fat, you know. We called they called us the Jelly Bellies. We were athletes. Now we didn't look like athletes. We'd put twenty on you though. We'd put twenty. We'd put fifteen on you. Elliot might put twenty. I put about fifteen on you. But we was Jelly Bellies. We'd be up here chest naked playing Sega Genesis in the hundred seventeen degree upstairs. Ladybugs flying in their mouths. They just didn't care. You don't care when you're kids. But now Bayless has got that room and Jack primarily, but mostly Bayless has got that room and it's just, just. Swarmed with ladybugs, much like my man cave. My man cave out here, it's I put turned a little heat on out here yesterday, and the damn thing just comes swat, flying everywhere. Well, anyway, usually I take an allergy pill and I'm good, right? Didn't truly know I had allergic reaction to these things until the other night. I'm up there playing NBA 2K with uh, with Bayless on the PlayStation, and uh, one flies in my ear, like in my ear. So I freaking out and don't want it to go any further down my ear so I dig it out man about two minutes later I start sneezing sneezing uncontrollably my eyes are getting like you know they're they're just pouring and uh I'm just like what the crap Bale's like you all right and I was like yeah let's just go ahead and finish this game and I'll, I'll go down and take me an allergy pill I said it's about bedtime anyway I get down there I said Lindsay look at this I had my eyes started slowly closing and I had little welts all the way around my I had allergic reaction because that damn ladybug bit me. I sent out a Snapchat to a few of my friends, and they're like, there ain't no, that don't happen. Ladybugs bite. I said, well, bite, sting, whatever the, hell, whatever the hell this ladybug just done to me. I've got welts around my eye. I'm not covering for my wife or punching me in the eye. Those don't leave welts. I had an allergic reaction to a damn ladybug. And y'all wonder why I get on here and cuss these damn things every week. I don't know what to do about them. So if you've got any tricks to get rid of ladybugs... Please send those directly to me. Oh, we need to wrap up. Two two things I want to say here in closing. A um, couple milestones for people who I can't I can't go on uh, this show and not at least cover that um, this this week would have been Steve McNair, uh, probably the biggest legend in the history of Tennessee Titans franchise. Uh, it was his. What would have been his 51st birthday, and I never met Steve McNair. I've met basically every other Titans legend because I didn't do the Titans meet and greet thing till years later after Steve had uh, passed away. Wayland was about six years old when I started taking him. We've met Eddie George. We've met Derrick Henry. I mean, we've met them all. Chris Johnson. Never got to meet Mac Nine, and I, I, I do regret that. They say he was great in the community, uh, great with a lot of things apparently, but. Uh, Never got to meet him, and I just want to uh, give a give a little bit of a this. This is one of the greatest uh, calls of a Steve McNair. This is in Super Bowl in January 2000 when the Titans are, are driving the field, and uh, he he eludes a tackle or two here, get, breaks a tackle, gets out, and throws a pass down the field, which would set up the 
next play, which is obviously the heartbreaking uh, pass to Kevin Dyson that came up one yard short of of advancing in the Super Bowl there. Uh, so here's the call by the one and only Mike Keith during the Super Bowl, Steve McNair. Now this is how you Of course. Of course, YouTube. There, Give a uh -huh. damn about your ass. Let's try this one more time. Steve McNair from the Super Bowl. At the Ram 27-yard line. McNair looking Every, over the everything's middle. Everything's outside. Looking to run. Now steps back. Rolls left. Rolls right. And bad trouble back at the 40. He gets away somehow. Fires downfield. There's Dyson. Dyson at the Time 10. Ball timeout. He's tackled at the 10. The Titans ask for timeout with seconds to go. Boy, McNair is elusive. How did he get away from Williams and Carter? Steve McNair, one of the greatest to ever do it in the Tennessee Titans 2003 co-MVP with Peyton Manning. Titans still looking for that quarterback. They've, they've missed out on so many uh, quarterback options. They thought they thought Vince Young would be that dude. They thought Jake Locker would be that dude. And they thought Marcus Mariota would be. And now they all the fortunes on the young man from Kentucky, Will Levis. So we'll see what pans out. I will always die on the hill that Vince Young was going to be an idiot. I don't think Vince, Vince Young was ever a smart guy. But it also doesn't help that Jeff Fisher never wanted him there. And anytime, no matter what business you're working for, if you don't think your boss wants you there, that's going to affect your psyche. Jake Locker, I will always die of the heel that if they had anybody better than uh, offensive line that could not have played for Red Bull and Springs out there, that Jake Locker had the talent. I, maybe I'm a Jake Locker homer. And I will always believe that Jake Locker could have been a solid NFL player had he had better help around him. And the same thing with Mariota. We can make fun of Mariota all you want. You go look at this, uh, the second year Marcus Mariota, two, 2016 YouTube highlight, highlight film. Mariota was a killer out there. He was hitting people. He, he was connecting on balls with players who shouldn't even have been in the NFL catching footballs. Again, offensive line problems. He, he breaks his tibula fibula on uh, Christmas Eve of 2016, and he's never the same again. Never had the confidence to go back out there and play ball. Uh, so, you know, here we go. Just historically, Tennessee Titans getting people killed with a bad offensive line. So please fix that this offseason. The first one of you complain when they draft an offensive lineman, number seven overall, knowing that we have one of the top three worst offensive lines in football. Just needs to – yeah, I know it's not a sexy pick, but neither is getting Will Levis killed this season. So let's let's go ahead and do a certain, do ourselves a favor uh, and draft an offensive lineman or invest some in, in some heavily. And also, this uh, in February of 2002, so 22 years ago, we lost the one and only – Waylon Jennings, we know obviously how much I'm a Waylon Jennings fan. I mean, I named a kid after him, but only because Waylon's a cooler name than Hank. You know, Hank Williams Jr. is my favorite, but Waylon is right there with him. And, you know, Waylon's career started, and um, he was out, and, you know, they, they didn't want him in Nashville. And he said the, the reason they called got, got, got branded outlaws is because they really just wanted to do music their way. And, you know, him and Willie Nelson. And so by doing music their way and not – you know, conforming, conforming to the system, they got branded outlaws. When really, you know, he's from Arizona. He was trying to do the Nashville thing. Willie's bringing Ranger down to Texas, and they blow up, and then all of a sudden, you know, everybody loves him then. Um, but it, it, it's, it's funny. He here, he, uh, 
just looking over his, not that I have to sit here and read stuff about Waylon, but it's, it's just some of the some of the funny things that he that he does is uh, during the seventies, Jennings drove Outlaw Country with Willie Nelson, Tom Paul Glazier, and Jesse Coulter. He recorded Country's Music's first platinum album, so that that distinction belongs to Waylon Jennings and. Uh, I wanted the Outlaws. Um, it was followed by another platinum album, a first for any solo artist in country music, Old Waylon, which is one of my favorite records Waylon ever put out, and then the, and then the hit song Lukenbach, Texas. That is not my favorite on that. Let me let me see if I can find it here um, on Apple. Of course, it doesn't. I type in Old Whalen. I think this was something I would have done beforehand. But one of my favorite Whalen Jennings songs comes from that album. Anyway, it's not it's not cooperating here, but uh my favorite Whalen Jennings song, before I get into a lot of the details, this is from it's from I've Always Been Crazy, the nineteen seventy eight album. Which with the song with it with that song, and of course, don't you think this outlaw bit's got out of hand? We'll talk about it here in a second. It's got uh, covers of "I Walk the Line" and "Tonight the Bottle Let Me Down," but here is my favorite Waylon Jennings song that never really gets talked about. Much like when I talk about Hank Jr., it used to be "Dinosaur" before Jeremy Mackey just completely made it his own, and I can't even hear "Dinosaur" anymore. Now I'm feeling better by Hank Jr. It's my go-to kind of more obscure one. Here's more of an obscure Waylon song that doesn't get the Love that maybe good-hearted woman or Luke and Bach or some of those get replaced. Called a long time ago. I don't look the way the average cowboy singer looks. I'll admit I've taken things I never should have took. You can read a different story in a lot of different books. But even then you won't really know How it was a long time ago Women have been my trouble Since I found out they weren't men In spite of that I stopped and took a wife now and then They built their fences high But they couldn't hold me in I was born with a fire down below And I learned to fly along Women have been my trouble since I found out they weren't men. In spite of that, I stopped and took a wife now and then. They built their fences high, but they wouldn't let me when they let, wouldn't hold me in. I was born with a fire down below. Golly. Tell them about it, Waylon. I mean, Waylon Waylon's been, you know, Waylon Waylon loved him some women. All right, and women loved outlaws. They ladies loved outlaws, I would even go as far as to say. And Waylon Jennings, uh God that damn goddamn that line just uh Man, um, let's continue it. Ask me about the years I spent out in the rain About the ones 
ones I spent in love or the ones I spent in sane. And don't ask me who I gave my seat to on that plane. I think you already know. I told you that a long time ago. Me and old Willie Lottie, we've been sold and bought. I guess y'all heard about some kind of system that we fought. We ain't the only outlaws, just the only ones they caught. They tried to run us off, but Willie's slow. I quit running a long time ago. That's Waylon just at his best, absolute best. Peak Waylon, late 70s. To me, it just didn't get much better than that right there uh, of a Waylon Jennings song. Of course, talking about the the Big Bopper and uh, and, and the – Buddy Holly and the and the plane crash. Don't ask me about who I gave my seat to a long time. Uh, don't ask me who I gave my seat to. I mean, you know, the old story goes about Waylon. You know, hope you hope you heat goes out and you buzz. Well, hope your old plane crashes and Waylon lived with that for a long time uh, from that. But you go you go back to uh, he done so much stuff. Like just think about it. He was on Sesame Street. <laughs> I mean, he was on Sesame Street now. Uh, how can you be the most outlaw, like the outlaw, okay? Like you think of country music. Yeah, there's there's Billy Joe Shaver and there's David Allen Coe and there's all these guys. But like Waylon Jennings is the outlaw of country music history, right? He made a damn cameo in a live-action children's film, Sesame Street Presents Follow That Bird. In the movie, he plays a turkey farm drive, truck driver who gives Big Bird a lift. He also sings one of the film song titles, film songs entitled "Ain't No Road Too Long." That's how cool Waylon Jennings is. You may be cool, but you ain't snort cocaine, Waylon Jennings, but also be on Sesame Street. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like uh, in 1985, he joined the USA for Africa to record "We Are the World," but left the studio because of a dispute over the song lyrics that were to be sung in Swahili, and that's. That's come about again in the last week. There's been clips of that where he says, well, I don't reckon any old country boy ever sung no Swahili. I'm out of here. Uh, I mean, he was the Dukes of Hazard Long before I knew there was a Waylon Jennings song that ever existed, I sung just the good old boys, never meaning no one. I watched Dukes of Hazard religiously, and I didn't know that the man narrating that show would go on to be one of my top ten favorite singers of all time, that I would name a child after. Uh, I mean, he narrated one of the most popular pop culture television shows in the late 70s and early 80s. That's how big Waylon Jennings was. Um, He was inducted in the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2001, to which Shooter said Waylon's response was, yeah, who really gives a shit? Because they had shunned him for so long. You know, yeah, they let him in in the 80s, but just like they did every other country music legend in the 90s they they shoot him away they pushed away after they'd used him up after neglecting him and all these other legends throughout the 70s and you know they brought him back in the 80s and during their peak uh, you know but by the 90s you know country music radio and cmt they 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 had no use for johnny cash and waylon jennings and willie nelson hank williams jr i mean um you know um then there's always the stories about the addiction and recovery and 
everything. It said, uh, this is from his Wikipedia page. Jennings started to consume amphetamines while he lived with Johnny Cash during the mid-60s. He would state that pills were the artificial energy of which Nashville ran around the clock. And, of course, everybody knows the story right here. In 1977, Jennings was arrested by the federal agents for conspiracy and possession of cocaine with intent to distribute. Private carrier warned that the, the, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, about the package sent to Jennings by a New York colleague that contained 27 grams of cocaine. And the DEA and the police searched Jennings' recording studio but found no evidence because while they were waiting for a search warrant, Jennings disposed of the drug. The charges were later dropped and Jennings was released. Now listen, most people would be like, man, I better clean it up. I better stop what I'm doing. I better just get out of this. Only Waylon Jennings could turn this account into a song dubbed Don't You Think This Outlaw Bits Done Got Out of Hand. And I'm not going to play the whole song, but I'm going to play just a clip of the main part right here, which is legendary. We were wrapped up in our music. That's why we never saw. Cars pull up, the boys get out, and the room filled up with law. They came bounding through the back door in the middle of the song. They got me for possession of something that was gone. Oh, don't y'all think it's outlaw bit gun got out of hand? What started out to be a joke, the law don't understand. Was it singing through my nose that got me busted by the Guys, he's one of the greatest of all time, and he's just the original outlaw of country music, and nobody can take that away from him. And he eventually got his life clean, which is the sad part about it, is that you know, he he lasted a little bit longer, but uh his cocaine addiction and he claimed to have spent fifteen hundred dollars a day on cocaine, which is equivalent to forty eight hundred dollars a day in twenty twenty two. Draining his personal finances and leaving him bankrupt with debt up to $2.5 million. Uh, he insisted on repaying his debt and did additional tours to do so. His work became less focused and tours deteriorated. Um, decades of excessive smoking and drug use took a larger toll on Jennings' health, in addition to obesity and poor diet, which resulted in him in developing type 2 diabetes. In 1988, four years after quitting cocaine, he ended his six-pack-a-day smoking habit. I mean, God dang, that's some crazy numbers, like $1,500 a day on cocaine. You know how much booger sugar that is? I mean, do you know how much cocaine $1,500 a day is? Of course, he's probably fueling a whole, his whole team on that. And obviously, that wasn't just Waylon doing it. But six packs a day of smoking? I mean, God dang. Uh, that same year, he underwent heart bypass surgery. By 2000, his diabetes worsened, and the, pain, and the pain reduced his mobility to the point where he was forced to end most touring. That same year, he underwent surgery to improve his left leg's blood circulation. Uh, in December of 2001, his left foot was amputated at a hospital in Phoenix, Arizona. On February 13, 2002, Jennings died in his sleep from complications of diabetes at his home in Chandler, Arizona at the age of 64. Man, that was way too soon. You know, Willie just celebrated his you know, 90th birthday and um, or not, I think it was 90, exactly 90, but uh, 
you know, I just, I just wished of all the legends that were still with us. Uh, I, I've, I'm, I'm a way bigger Waylon Jennings fan than I ever have been. Johnny Cash, uh, you know that from listening to One Lane Road. Um, I'm a bigger fan than I am Merle Haggard and even Willie now. Uh, you know, George Jones and Waylon, pretty similar to me as far as love I've got for both of them. Hank Jr. is my all-time favorite, but that that one, if Hank Jr. is 1A, Waylon's probably 1B and George Jones is right there, but I, I can relate more to Waylon. Waylon's got a little bit more of that rowdier. You know, George may be the greatest voice in the history of country music, but uh, somebody told me the other day they hated George Jones because he was so sad, and I just want to throw him off a bridge. Uh, but but what, I've always went more to that Hank Jr. Waylon just because the rowdy, because I'm rowdy. You know what I'm saying? I like to, I, you know, that's the stuff I can relate to is just that rowdy country music, and that outlaw persona. And, you know, um, Waylon did get clean, and, you know, I just hate that his, his health suffered and we lost him at such a young age. You know, of course, his, he had six children. His final, you know, ch child and the only child that he and Jesse Coulter ever shared was, was Shooter Jennings. And, you know, I think everything that, that Waylon done for music, right, the first platinum record and, and fighting for what he believed in, you know, I, I think he's probably just so incredibly uh, proud of what Shooter has done. You know, Shooter's career never took off per se because he was, you know, wasn't really country. He wasn't, you know, he was he was a little more rock than he was country. But the man put out some damn good country records. And then he's then he's done, you know, a political rock album. He's he's put out a disco record, you know. But he's really found his niche now in producing. And I know I know Waylon had kind of. You know, that Waylon, Waylon Forever record that, that Shooter put out were Waylon's vocals, and it was Shooter in the 357s and went in and over on top of that. That's one of my favorite things that they ever done. So Shooter's creative mind for, the, for that business goes, goes well beyond anything he ever put on a, a track himself. I mean, Shooter being able to, to have the versatility to go produce Tanya Tucker then follow that up with Marilyn Manson then do an America Aquarium, and it's just he's got genres of all sort. I mean, I know Shooter being the – Guns N' Roses fan he is, to work with Duff on records. I mean, Shooter's just super talented, and what Shooter's given to this business other outside of producing is, is you know, the support he's given independent country uh, dating back to, I remember 2010, 11, really 2012. I mean, I know I know Jason Eady because of Shooter Jennings, you know, and – through Jason Eady, I found Courtney Patton, and through Courtney Patton, I found Cody Jinks, and through Cody Jinks, I found Ward Davis, and you know that's that you know that, just that one rabbit hole that Shooter sent me down with independent country. I found Sturgill Simpson because of Shooter Jennings. So uh, very, very, uh, it doesn't get a lot of credit where I think Shooter Jennings deserves credit, and that comes from you know being the son of of such a damn legend like Waylon Jennings. So. Uh, yeah, so we uh, got into a whole lot of a lot of things. One of the most uh, random episodes we uh, we have uh, have been on. Gary Jones, if you're listening, I want you to know that even though you're not a sponsor of the North Spring Sessions, you are a friend of mine, and uh, you are a, a sponsor of North Springs Music Fest, however. And you did get a cheap plug in the other day. We were talking about sponsors on the Blue Devil Network, and. You know, he Gary's Anderson Upper Cumberland Funeral Home in Gainesboro uh, is a sponsor for the Jackson County Blue Devils, and I just said something about we we were broadcasting a game against Smith County and York, 
I believe it was. Smith. Whoever it was, it was not Jack. I can't remember. All these game, all these damn ball games have wore together. Anyway, we're broadcasting for the Blue Devil Network. The games aren't just Jackson County from the district tournament. And I said, you know, and, and Zach, the, my broadcast partner, said, yeah, if you people are listening from, from, from two towns who aren't Gainesboro, you know, we are the Blue Devil Network and all these ads are for people local and Jackson County and, um, you know, so they may not mean anything to you. And I said, well, they just should. I said, you can come to you can come to Anderson, come to a funeral home. Uh, Gary Jones don't don't care what town you're from. He'll put you in a casket either way. So I just want you to know, if you hear anything like that, Gary, it's because I'm, I'm out there just trying to find bodies to come to Anderson, come, Anderson Upper and Cumberland Funeral Home. I, don't, I said, I don't care what county you're from. He'll put you in a casket. So there you go, buddy. A little cheap plug on the Blue Devil Network the other night. And the very last thing I'm talking about, this is the longest podcast we've ever done, and it's just a lot of pent-up stuff here. Plus, I got on that big shack ran earlier, and I apologize. I'll always go to, go to bat for the diesel. WWE right now coming off all the uh, backlash and scrutiny from the Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis, Brock Lesnar fallout with Janelle Grant and all that happening, and more and more sick stuff coming up about Vince, and I'm, I can only imagine just more that's going to happen. So WWE has done a great job spinning this positive energy. You know, they've had this bloodline storyline going off about three or four years with Roman Reigns and his family, and, and of course now you got the Cody Rhodes stuff that's getting implemented in where Cody – Wants to finish his story, as as the storyline goes. That you know, his father, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. He never did win the championship, baby. He never won a world title there for Vince and and Cody's brother Dustin. Go, gold dust. He never won the world title. So Cody's wanting to be the first Rhodes to ever win a be the world champion for WWE. So last year, everybody thought he was going to win the title. Uh, at WrestleMania 39, he did not. So it leads to another year of build. And just when you think that you know he's going to have his moment in the sun, the Rock comes out of nowhere. That's right, the jabroni beating pie, and, you know the deal. Well, the Rock's one of the biggest. I mean, he's the biggest star in this world, right? I mean, biggest biggest movie star in the world. All this, he comes in the scene. People, wrestling nerds, and the IWC, the internet wrestling community, have have a long had a hard-on for Rock versus Roman Reigns, right? The cousins from the Samoan family. Um, but the problem is, Rock has put himself in this storyline and made it Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania, and people are losing their ever-loving minds. The wrestling traditionalists, they want Cody to finish his story. And I'm so glad The Rock went on uh, Pat McAfee's show and made fun of this. And I know it's storyline, but really there's a little truth made in jest, Right. Because all these fans, if you're a true wrestling fan, you know the bigger damn match is Rock versus Roman Reigns, right? Rock's the biggest star in the world. Cody Rhodes is the son of American Dream Dusty Rhodes. I respect that Cody Rhodes wouldn't get in the playing time. He deserved on the team with Vince, and he went away for a while, right? He went away to Japan and made a bigger name. He, he was one of the help guys who helped upstart AEW with Tony Khan's money, father's money. Um, and he came back to Vince – and Vince paid him way much more money the second go-around, right? Cody's great by all accounts. But he's not The Rock. Now, can he can he give Roman a better match? I'm sure. WrestleMania is about the star power, baby. All right? Cody Rhodes is no Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels go out there and have a match with Curtis Rich and make it look good. Cody Rhodes is not that. 
I want, I miss the days of where pro wrestlers looked like pro wrestlers and they looked like stars. They looked like guys that I can't be. That's why I'm watching them on TV. I don't want to get on there and look at a bunch of slobs. Not Cody Groves, obviously, magnificent shape. But I want to look at guys who are larger than life. And I understand that most of the guys that I grew up watching were larger than life, brought to you by uh, DECA and D ball and testosterone. I get that. It's a different era, different time. But I want my pro wrestlers to look like pro wrestlers. I don't want to be like whiny little stick figures like Seth Rollins, who I can't, who I despise everything about Seth Rollins. Um, so The Rock goes on Pat McAfee and, and just trolls the absolute hell out of the IWC, who are mad. They're mad. They're, they're on their keyboards. They're on their phones. They're typing away. Cody's got to finish his story. Cody, 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 Cody. Rock ruined it. Everybody's wanted Rock back. Everybody gets off every time The Rock makes an appearance, but now they're mad because Cody didn't get to finish the story. Here's The Rock on Pat McAfee last week. Cody Crybabies, yeah. Oh, that's what okay, called. all right. Okay, yeah. got it. I didn't, I didn't know the name that was coming. It was the it. Cody Crybabies, yeah, okay. and these are grown-ass men, and uh, Cody got to finish his story. He had to finish <laughs> yes. his story right now. It's like, wait a second, hold on. Hey, Dad, you want to go outside and play catch with me? Not now. Cody's got to finish and I'm upset. The wife comes in. Hey, honey, do you want to go have sex? Not now. Cody's got to finish his story. At the end of the day, look, you got the Cody Crybabies, and you have the Cody fans, and then you have Cody himself, and there's a clear distinction between the three. But The Rock says this. Those Cody crybabies, the ones for every 10 tweets, they're shoving a chicken McNugget in their mouth. <laughs> for every 20 tweets, they're shoving two McNuggets up their ass. What? The Rock says this. All you got to do is sit back, know your role, shut your mouth, and enjoy the ride that The Rock is going to take your candy asses on. So hashtag that. Hashtag shut your bitch ashes up. Hashtag Cody crybabies. Yeah. I love it. I love it. One of the most... Uh, one of the most charismatic people ever to be in any sort of entertainment, especially pro wrestling, given the internet, what they, you know, but the, the thing is about the internet is these people think they matter. They're the same people that go to wrestling shows and can't just sit there and enjoy themselves and cheer. They got to start these chants, right? They got to start their chants. CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk. We want Cody. We want Cody. Or the, how my, this is my favorite six minutes into a floppy flop match where you got guys like the Young Bucks who look like sixth graders out there flopping around, telling no, having no uh, psychology, uh, just flipping around the ring and about three minutes into a Young Bucks match. This is awesome. Dun, 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 dun. This is awesome. No, you bunch of nerds. It's not. We're all nerds watching a bunch of grown men in underwear, but at least cheer for good things. So you get on there and, like, Vince McMahon has all his uh, – controversy and he gets removed from power and there's people on the internet going yes guys we won we won guys Vince is out of here we won who did you fight who'd you fight Bobby guys we never have to see Vince McMahon our, our voices have been heard our voices have been heard whose voices what Who's listening to you, Caleb? You're in your mother's basement typing on WrestleOps 24-7. You think Vince McMahon or Triple H or the people from Netflix are listening to your comments on WrestleOps 24-7, Charlie? Hell no. You didn't win nothing. 
Netflix signed a $5 billion deal that found out the owner of WWE for the last 40 years is a freaking weirdo pervert that maybe hurts their investment. So they ask him kindly to step off their board so they can continue to be the biggest juggernaut in the world. Just because some dumbass in a basement somewhere that doesn't have a job and watches pro wrestling like it's his life spoke out on Twitter or Facebook, nobody read your comments on WrestleZone.com. You didn't win nothing. Vince got what was coming to him for being a creep for 40 years. And I have a hard time differentiating between that because I love Vince McMahon on screen. I love, you know, people are such, get their panties in a wad. I hate Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's a creep. Well, okay, Vince McMahon is a, is a weird pervert. Vince McMahon also created the thing that you jerk off to online 24-7. Okay? Vince is that guy. Not Greg Gagne, not Vince, not, um, or not uh, Vern Gagne, not Eric Bischoff, not Tony Khan. Vince McMahon's the Don Dada, okay? He's the king of everything your life revolves around. There would be nothing about pro wrestling. It's pro wrestling, sports entertainment in 2024, if not for Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And the same people that get mad at Hulk Hogan for using the N-bomb, or the same people who get mad at Ric Flair for exposing himself with a row. Okay, they can do bad things. They can be bad people. But the young bucks don't get to make a living in 2024 being flippy-flop nerds if Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair didn't do what they did for decades. They're the biggest stars outside of Steve Austin that business has ever seen. So for all these woke little sissy people that are so hurt and offended and ready to give their opinion online like anybody cares, which is completely hypocritical because I'm one man doing a podcast and nobody cares about what I say. But don't to, to, to discredit anything Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair ever done because they're bad people. Well, maybe you should spend watch. Maybe you should reprioritize your heroes in life or what you do, because you know, guess what? These people who who say we won, and when the Rock gets kicked out of the main event because Cody stood up for him. Did you see the press conference? Did you did you see the press conference, guys? I took a vacation day from work to stay home and watch it. Yeah, the press conference where the Rock was out there and he and he made himself in it. He made he put himself in it with Roman because it's what Rock does. He puts himself in the middle of everything. But then Cody come out there and he gave him the what for. Cody gave him the what for. And Cody said, I'm going to WrestleMania because I won the Rumble. And guess what? Trips comes out there. You know, the E. These creeps that can't call, they can't say WWE. So they get on the internet and say the E. You're not any cooler because you cut the W and then the W out. Dummy. The E. Yeah, Trips. Trips. Or Levesque. And now they're calling him Paul Levesque because they're in. These wrestling fans on the internet are so in. that He's not Triple H. He's Paul or Levesque. Or Trips from the E. He listened to his guys. We chanted, we want Cody. We want Cody. And Trips went out there and he made the match on SmackDown. He made it Cody versus Roman. We didn't want Rock. I mean, yeah, we want Rock if, if they want to do that match at SummerSlam. We'll be all about it. But right now, our voices were heard, guys. We won. And I can't even get on there and tell Steven how big of a loser he is because we don't even know Steven has a face because his profile picture on X is Cody Rhodes.
and his and his in his cover photo was the Rhodes family. That's what the, these people, man, their life is so consumed with wrestling that they don't even have real pictures of like them and a, you know, a girlfriend. God forbid if they post a picture of their lover, it'd be a blow-up doll. And if they don't have pictures of wrestling consuming it, you know what it is every time? Anime. I don't even know nothing about that world. He make fun of it, guy. Anime is all I see you cats posting. Wrestling and anime. I can be a nerd. I'm a well-renowned nerd. I'll talk some nerdy stuff with you. Not as much as some of my friends that play Dungeons and Dragons, because those homies really know about nerd stuff. But you know, on my on on the book of faces, when you go to my profile picture, it's me or it's me and my wife who exists, who's a real life person, or my kids who I had because of uh actions I did with my wife. You know, I can get on here and talk wrestling, but also no, I run a badass music festival. I know that I go to kids' ball game, my kids' ball games, and I go to concerts and ball games and have a life. And I don't just sit home and go, "We want Cody, Cody." I live with the Rock. Said on SmackDown, he goes, "San Francisco 49ers, They didn't get a chance to finish their story. No, they lost. They handled their loss like men. They didn't say, "We want another try." I know it's all story and everything, but these people on the internet say Cody's got to finish his story. I don't know. There's a lot of people who never got to have world titles. Scott Hall's one of the greatest pro wrestlers, performers ever. Razor Ramon, one of the founding fathers of NWO. He never won a world title. Scott Hall never got to finish his story. Oh, my God, you nerds. You didn't win anything. You didn't win anything. God. Imagine. I just can't take it. These these people, like Kevin Nash said one time, he said, we're hiring people off the street. He said, he's like, I make a living. He said, I'm, I'm, I make a living off of a, a business where there, it's sex it's sex and fighting. You know, it, it's sex, sales, and, 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 and fights. He said, then you hire a bunch of script writers who's never been in a fight or never had sex. And that's these guys. You talk about these divas. I want I want justice for these divas. If Tori Wilson touched them on the leg, they'd wet leg. You don't know what it's like to be a man. Because they're keyboard warriors to sit back and say, we want Cody. You need to get lives. You need to get real-life girlfriends. I don't care if she's if she's got roles and places. Most people ain't got places. Who cares? She's a real-life woman. If the love of God make her not live re love wrestling, because there'd be two of you. You don't make a bunch of nerd babies. Let her be real. Let, let a woman who is real touch you. It don't matter if she's 380. 380, she's a lady. I had a friend named Fraley told me that. Stop being nerds on the internet whose life consumed around Cody Rhodes. You're better than that. Meet a girl. Hell, I don't know. Get on a dating site long enough to take a picture with a girl and post that. Get that picture of the Miz off your profile picture. Seth Rollins doesn't need to be your co cover photo guy. We won. <clears throat> well, I'm winning this week on sponsorships. I'd like to thank the first official sponsors to the North Springs Music Fest, Joe Barlow, Brenda Keith, Mountain Mama, Mountain Mama Entertainment, which is Shelly Camby out of South Carolina, Johnson's Auto Port, Parts, The Holler at DHL, The Florida Tribe, Jamie Evans, Mountain View Talent, which is my buddy Chris Edwards, represent Tony Logan, the 184, and some other great musicians, and JL Co., uh, 
several people reached out. If you want to be a sponsor, please holler. Uh, we got my tears out there. I'll message them to you. And again, North Springs Music Fast tickets on sale this Friday, February 23rd, 11 a.m. Central, Eventbrite. Link will also be on my Facebook later that evening when I get off work. And uh, guys, thank you for tuning in to a long episode of the North Springs Sessions podcast. I love you. I'll talk to you very soon. I'm out like Vince McMahon and Brock Lesnar. We want Cody. Bye.